we? Good. I heard one good. Good, good, good. Good to you too. And uh, all right. Hey, we are, if you have a Bible, we're just going to jump right in today. We are in 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you need a Bible, if you just put your hand up, we've got an usher in the back. We'd love to be able to put one of those in your hands. Uh, today, we're going to wrap up our series on 1 Timothy. We've, we've called this series Fight Club. Uh, and we'll see even today that uh, Paul, who is writing this book of 1 Timothy, he's writing it to a young pastor named Timothy. And we're going to see that, that one of the themes throughout this book has been the challenge to fight, to fight. And we're going to see that again today. And so we're going to wrap up this, uh, this series today, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 through 21. And uh, excited to be able to share this with you guys today. Um, Let's go ahead and read that together. It's also on the screen, so if you haven't turned there, you can read on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 11. And it says this, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession and the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives, to, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from re- reproach unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable, unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. That is God's word for us this morning. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for this book of First Timothy. We're thankful for your word, that we have the opportunity to come and, and, and hear your word. God, that you speak directly to every one of us. Lord, you have given it to us so that we could know you deeper and that we could make you known. And God, I pray that in the midst of everything going on in our lives, I pray that you allow us to take this time right now to put the distractions aside and focus on what it is that you're trying to to tell us today. Lord, I pray as a pastor that I would get out of the way, that, that, that you would be the one that is speaking, that we would hear you speak directly to us. God, you know what we need to hear today. So God, I pray that you would speak that. We love you, and we praise you, and we plead for your presence with us now. And we ask this in your perfect name. Amen. So as we read through this passage, the one statement, it is a key statement that really summarizes 
Paul's final charge to Timothy was in verse 12. This is something that you probably should have underlined or highlighted in your Bible. And if, and if it's not, then you should do that now. Or you can underline in your neighbor's Bible, whatever the case may be. But Paul wrote this simple sentence. Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Paul tells Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. This is the same kind of wording, the same language that Paul used in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, when Paul said, Timothy, wage the good warfare, holding on to your faith. So what Paul has done is he's kind of given these bookends. In chapter 1, he said, wage the good warfare, holding on to your faith. And now on the other bookend, Paul has written and he says, uh, he says uh, fight the good fight of faith. So we can see that what Paul is trying to say, he's trying to say, Timothy, you are in a war. Timothy, you're in a war. You are in a fight that requires complete vigilance in order to hold on to your faith. And what I want us to realize, this is really a global reality. What I want us to recognize is that every one of us in here, all of us are involved in a spiritual war. Every one of us in here in this room are involved in a spiritual war. We are in wartime, not peacetime. All throughout Scripture, you see this kind of being reiterated and repeated. Uh, Hebrews 12.4 says that we are at war against sin. And 1 Peter 2.11 says there is a war waging within our souls. And, and Paul said it probably best in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, the clearest. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. This is what I want us to realize. I want us to, to, to recognize. I want us to, to realize this, that every single person is involved in a spiritual battle. In each of our lives, it's going to look a little bit differently. Each of us, we're going to have a different battle that we're wrestling with, but we are all in this battle. Some of you are, are in a battle right now, and the battle is for your marriage. You feel that battle. Some of you are, are in a battle as a parent trying to raise kids. You ever wish there was like an instruction manual on if you do this and this and this, everything will be perfect? There is a battle as a parent to raise our kids. There are battles going on for purity in both our lives and in our minds. Men, gentlemen, brothers, our minds become a battlefield for lust. Single, single people, young people, there is a daily, there is a weekly battle for purity. Purity in your life, holiness. Those, there's going to be some who are going to have battles with, with worry. Some that are going to have battles with, 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 with doubt. Some have battles with despair. Some have battles with materialism. We all are going to face these battles. Your battle may not have been faced, but every one of us are in a spiritual battle. Whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're on campus, whether you're alone, or whether you're with other people, there's a battle going on. And it's raging all around us. Our enemy is a formidable enemy. Spiritual forces of evil. 
And you know what their desire is? You know what their aim is? Our enemy's aim is to destroy God's glory, to distort God's message, and to destroy God's people. The adversary, the enemy, is working to to, uh, uh, wreck your marriage. He's working to destroy your relationships. He's working to abolish your purity. He's working to attack your integrity. He's working to keep you from knowing the goodness that God has offered to you. He's working to stop the glory of God and God's gospel from spreading throughout this entire city and across the entire world. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. It says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. See, it doesn't matter how smart how strong you are. (laughs) He is your enemy. No matter how smart, no matter how strong you are, you are no match for Satan on your own. Sadly, there's going to be many in Timothy's day, many in Timothy's day as well as in our day, who will not remain in the fight, who will give up in the battle. Paul described two of them in chapter one named Hymenaeus and Alexander. Who Paul says they got swept up and they ceased to fight. And Paul says that they were handed over to Satan. Pretty severe language. John Piper, uh, a pastor and author, he writes this. He says, life is war. But most people do not believe this in their heart. Most people show by their priorities and by their casual approach to spiritual things that they believe that we are in peacetime, not wartime. Because in wartime, the newspapers carry headlines about how the troops are doing. In wartime, families talk about the sons and the daughters on the front lines and write to them and pray for them with heart-wrenching concern for their safety. In wartime, we are on alert. We are armed. We are vigilant. And in wartime, we spend our money differently. There is an austerity, not for its own sake, because we are more strategic ways to spend money than buying new toys at home. The war effort touches everybody. So Paul says this. Paul says, Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Now I know we're saying, is there really such a thing as a good fight? Is there really a good thing as a good fight? Paul would say, yes, there is. Now, one of the observations I've made about myself recently is this weird thing has been happening where I feel like my forehead is getting bigger and I feel like my pants are getting smaller. Some people call it age. Some people, I don't know what you call it, but it's just weird thing happening. So I found myself having to start paying attention to, to what I eat and having the desire to start doing some running. So the first time I went running, I took my, my phone and it tracks how far you run. And I ran for however long. And I got done and it said I killed like 74 calories. I'm like, that's not even a potato chip, right? Like, this is the dumbest thing, you know? And so when I start doing something, I want to jump in and I wanna, I'm competitive. So I want to go further and faster. So I decided one day I'm going to go for this run. And I set this course and, and, and I start running, you know? And, and I'm getting close to about halfway done. And it feels like my stomach is doing cartwheels inside of me, right? 
and my legs are cramping. And, and I don't know if you've ever get this, but the, the, the heartbeat in my head, it's like my eyes are popping and I'm running, holding my eye in, thinking my eye is going to fall out, you know? And about halfway home and I'm like, I should just call for help, you know? But I'm a man and I've got pride and I'm not going to call my wife and say, come pick me up. And so I'm running and I'm thinking, who's going to find my dead body on the side of this road? Someone's going to do this. So I'm running and, I, and I'm like pushing through and I make it to my house and I collapse in the front yard. I am just dead. And I'm just laying there in the grass. There might have been, it might have been wet. I don't even really remember. And uh, at our house, we've got some great neighbors, but there's one neighbor who's a, a freshman at Eisenhower High School. He's a nice kid. But every time I come home, and every time we come home, he's on his bike in front of our house. Hey, neighbor! You know, I come home from work. Hey, neighbor, you coming home from work? Yeah, I am. Uh, Where do you work, neighbor? Well, I work at the church. I told you that yesterday. I know, I just like asking you all the time. And so here I am laying in the grass. I'm dead. And he comes over. Hey, neighbor, how you doing? Neighbor, you weren't gone very long, neighbor. What? What are you talking about? That's a good fight. That's a good fight. I needed that. I need to do that. That's a good fight. When you're fighting for eternal life, when you're fighting for joy, when you're fighting for for peace, when you're fighting for confidence, when you're fighting for hope, that's a good fight. That's a very good fight. So here's what we want to do this morning. I want, to, I want you to think about the fight that's being waged in your heart and in your life right now. Think about the battle that's raging, that's been going on. Maybe we mentioned it earlier, maybe we didn't. But I want you to keep that fight, keep that battle on the forefront of your mind, because I believe that God wants to speak to that. I believe that God wants to speak to the battle that you're facing. I believe God wants to comfort you in that. I believe that God wants to challenge you in that. I believe that God wants to encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. So Paul surrounds this statement. He gives us a statement to fight the good fight of faith. He surrounds it with, with imperative verbs. He surrounds it with commands for Timothy to know how to fight. And so we're going to look and we're going to see that there are five commands that Paul has written to Timothy and to us that will strengthen us and equip us so we can fight the good fight of faith. And when we see this and say, hey, we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith, how do we do this? Paul's going to give us five commands on how we do this. Paul starts out in verse 11, and he says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. So how do you fight the spiritual battle around you? Number one, Paul says, we flee the evil that pulls you away from God. You fight by fleeing. I know. Some of you are going to say, well, that doesn't really sound like fighting. That sounds like running away from a fight. But sometimes running is the best way to fight. Now, I told you guys a few weeks ago that I was the youngest of five kids growing up. And one of the things that I always struggle with is sometimes I had a bigger personality than what my body type would, you know, attribute to. And so with my older siblings, my brother is, is at least 100 pounds 
bigger than I am and at least a foot taller than me. He's, he's a foot taller than me, actually, exactly a foot taller than me. And, and I remember sometimes my mouth would run and I would talk like I was bigger than I really was. And, and, and I quickly found against guys bigger than me, the good thing about me is I could run faster than him. And that was sometimes the best way for me to survive the fight was to run, was to flee. This word flee and the Greek is the word fuego, where we get our word, this is where we get our word fugitive. So Paul is saying, Paul is saying this, he's saying literally be a fugitive on the run away from these things. Be a fugitive on the run. He's saying run from sinful actions. Run from every uh, temptation to sin. Flee. Don't flirt with sin. Let's get rid of this deceit here for a second. You know, I want us to realize that sin starts slowly. It always starts slowly. It appears minor. It appears minor. We, we, we say, well, just, just one, just one little glance, just one little kiss, just, just one little joint, just, just one purchase, just one minute. No, run, run away from sin. And, and what he's talking about, he says, flee these things. What he's talking about in these things is the materialism, the quarreling, the slander, the, the, the selfishness that we, that we described last week in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 6. In 9 and 10, Paul, verses 9 and 10, Paul's talking about the desire for riches, the love for money, and about cravings that pull us away from God. They pull us away from God. Whenever you have a desire that pulls you away from God, run. Flee those things. Let's take it even one step further, right? See, in the fight of faith, we're not just talking about running from sinful actions and sinful desires. Ultimately, we're talking even about running away from sinful thoughts. Think about this. Paul says, fight the good fight of what? Of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Faith is at the core of belief. So the Bible is saying, fight to believe God. Fight to keep your faith in God. Fight to believe in who he is. Now remember why Paul said we run after materialism and why we run after things? Paul was very clear. He said, the reason that we run after materialism and things is because we don't believe that God is enough. We don't believe that God is enough to satisfy us, that God is enough to complete us. We don't believe that he's enough. So we run and we pursue things and we, and we, 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 we fill our lives with more stuff, uh, bigger things, hoping that that will satisfy us. And Paul is saying that if we would just believe God, if we would fight to have our belief in God, we wouldn't need to run after all these things. So if we are going to fight the good fight of faith, we have to flee the evil that pulls us away from God, that causes us to, to doubt our belief in Him. But not, only, but not only are we supposed to run away from these things and flee these things, but we're also supposed to run to, to something. Paul says in a verse, he said, flee these things. Pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. See, number two, if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, is we have to pursue 
goodness that draws us to God. Timothy isn't just supposed to run away from these things, but he's supposed to run to something even superior, something better. We don't just say no to sin, but we say yes to Jesus. So, so picture this. Picture this, if you will. If you go home from church this afternoon, and you open up your, your living room door, and sitting in the middle of the floor, there's a rattlesnake. Okay? Most of us are going to run the other direction. At least most of us that are smart are going to run the other direction. And, and, but you aren't going to run away never to return. No, you're going to run to the shed to grab a shovel to beat the heck out of that thing. You're going to run to the phone to call somebody who's going to be able to deal with that thing. Right? This is what Paul is saying. And on the opposite end, when you open that front door and you see someone, you see a loved one who you haven't seen in a long time, what do you do to them? You run to them. You embrace them. This is what Paul is saying. You, you flee these things that pull you away from God, and you pursue the things that draw you to him. And, and Paul gives a list of six different things to pursue. Righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. And so he says, pursue these things. First, Paul says, run after righteousness. This is regarding our thinking and our living. He's saying, pursue right thinking. Pursue right living. Run after that. Run after good and godly behavior and godly belief. He says, number two, he says, pursue godliness. This is a word that we've already seen. This is a word that Paul has used a number of times throughout this book of 1 Timothy. This means a God-centered belief, a God-centered behavior, a life that really evolves around God. We described it before as a God-saturated life, a completely God-saturated life, a saturated mind, a saturated heart, a saturated life with God as first and foremost of the things that we seek. This is how we fight. We saturate ourselves with God. Paul says, number three, pursue faith. Pursue a deeper trust in God. Amidst the struggle, amidst the battle, amidst the war around you, grow in faith. Grow in your trust in God. Most of the difficult times in our lives are when we have the opportunity to, to grow in our faith the deepest. Then Paul says, number four, pursue love. Which means to run after a greater affection for God. I mean, this is really one of my regular prayers for Restoration Church. I say, God, would you grow us wider and number? And God, would you grow us deeper in love with you? God, would you grow us deeper in love with you? Isn't that what we all want? To have a greater relationship with him? A more intimate relationship with God? I mean, how much has God loved us? How much love has God given to us? Enough that he would give up his only son to die for us. So shouldn't our response to that be to love him all the greater? So he says, fight the good fight of faith. faith pursue love, and not just toward God, but pursue love towards others. Fight the fight of faith to love your husband. Fight the good fight of faith to love your wife, to, to love your neighbors. Fight the good of fight of faith to love your enemies, to love your co-workers. Fight the good of fight of faith 
to be a loving person that loves other people. Number five, Paul says, fight the good fight of faith and pursue steadfastness. Pursue patience amidst difficult circumstances. Paul says, endurance. Endure. Perseverance. Persevere. The power to press on even when it gets harder, even when it seems like the end is so far away. Paul's saying, no, do not give up. Pursue steadfastness. Some of you have been in battles that have been raging for a long time. And I want to just encourage you. Persevere. Stay steadfast. Matthew 24, 13 says, But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Hebrews 3, 14 says, For we have come to share in Christ if we indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So, so pursue patience amidst difficult circumstances. And number six, Paul says, finally, pursue gentleness. Pursue gentleness. This means uh, pursue kindness towards different people through difficult people. This is kind of strange. You know, it kind of seems weird. Fight the good fight of faith with gentleness. I mean, how do you fight gently? I don't know how to fight gently. But there's a strength here. There's, there's a quiet strength. There's a humble strength. That doesn't play out in harsh and hurtful tones, but in kind and in, in, in gentle demeanor. Even those who maybe are, are a part of causing some of the, the, the battle around you, some of the hurt around you, some of the spiritual struggle around you. Even those people pursue gentleness. This is why Jesus says, love your enemies. So Paul's writing and he's saying to fight the good fight of faith. He says, if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we need to flee these things. We need to pursue these six things. And then in verse 12, look what he says next. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Paul says, take hold of eternal life. Number three, to fight the good fight of faith, we have to take hold of eternal life that has been given to you. Paul is telling Timothy to take hold of eternal life that Christ has given to him and that Timothy received when he confessed his faith. Here's the thing. Just, just, just think about this with me. Think about this. In your life, as, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, you are in Christ. You have his life. You are in Christ. But even though we're in Christ, we still struggle. We still have a struggle on a daily basis to experience the fullness of the life that we have inside of us. Now, you and I know that there's a day coming. Uh, there's a day coming in the future when we will fully and completely experience the eternal life that Christ has bought for us and that we will be free from sin. There's a day coming when the spiritual battles of this world will be over but until that time, until that day, we have a day-to-day -day struggle, a battle to experience the life that Christ has already bought for us. So I would say to every Christian in here today, to every believer, that just as Paul said to Timothy, that as you fight these spiritual battles in your life, remember these things. Remember that he has called your name. He has called your name as one of his own. 
You belong to him. You are his. You are his child. You are not fighting against God. God is actually fighting for you. This is good news. You're not fighting against God. God is fighting for you. He's called your name. You've confessed your faith. You've taken your stand with him. And he's not, we're not fighting against him, but he's fighting on your behalf. This is what it means to take hold of your faith. It's to understand that God is on your side. That God is fighting with you. Paul says you have died to sin and you live in Christ. So in light of this, In light of this, Paul says in verse 13, he says, I charge you in the presence of God who gives all things. He says in the presence of God. Think about this. As you fight that battle, as you have that war raging inside of you, that we live in light of God's presence. We fight with the presence of God, with the creator of all things, with the sustainer of all things. God is with us. God is with us and he is for us. And Paul says, uh, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Paul's pointing to Jesus standing before Pontius Pilate, knowing that he is about to face death. That even though he's about to face death, Jesus made that good confession. He confessed being the king of kings on our behalf. And it cost him his life. So he says, even though in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus, he says, keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach under the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He says, take hold of eternal life until Jesus comes back. Don't let go. He is our future. He is our hope. He is our answer. He is our motivation. And, and, and Paul says this, he says, take hold of eternal life. And I love because in verse 6, 15 and 16, Paul breaks out into this spontaneous praise. He breaks out into this spontaneous praise of who God is. He says, he who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in inapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be the honor and eternal dominion. Amen. The encouragement is clear. We are to live in awe of God's greatness. Our lives should overflow with with the praise and worship for how majestic and how glorious God really is. I mean, listen to these words that Paul uses to describe God. Blessed, King of kings, Lord of lords. Immortal dwells in unapproachable light. My favorite is he he says, he uses this word, only sovereign. He's the only sovereign. That means to be supreme or ultimate. You say, cancer? It's not sovereign. It's not supreme. Divorce? It's not supreme. It's not sovereign. Sickness? Difficulty? It's not sovereign. Temptation, it's not ultimate. 
despair. It's not sovereign. Only God is sovereign. Only God is supreme. Only God is on top of all of these things. We look at these circumstances and we say, man, they're so difficult. I don't know what I can do. And, and here Paul's saying, no, only God is sovereign. Only God is supreme. Only God is ultimate. So if we're going to fight the good fight of faith, we have to grab hold of eternal life. Grab hold of the life that God gives. Take hold of it and grasp it and experience it. Paul says, number four, to fight the good fight of faith, that we're to give away material treasure. We're to give away material treasure. Paul says in verse 17, he says, As for the rich of this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Have you noticed that money is a big deal to Paul? We've talked about it probably the last three weeks in a row. Money is a big deal to Paul. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, don't put your hope, don't put your faith, don't put your trust in money, but put your hope in God. He's the one who gives good things anyways. Just recapping what Paul's been saying here in 1 Timothy. He's saying as Christians, we are free to live differently than the culture around us. That we don't have to put our hope in money because it never satisfies. It never satisfies. We have the opportunity to put our hope in God. And Jesus, our Savior, who completely satisfies. And Paul says in verse 18, he says, They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. See, because our hope is in Christ alone, we can live simply and we can give away material treasure. We can be generous in the way that we live and the way that we share. We don't need more stuff and more things. My encouragement is just believe God on this one. My encouragement to you is just believe God in this. When we are overflowing with contentment in God, we can be generous and we can be willing to share with those around us. And in the process, in the process of being generous, Paul says that we thrive eternally. We store up treasures in heaven. See, treasures on the earth, you know, they, are not, they aren't all that great. We experience them for a little time, but pretty soon they begin to wear out. Pretty soon they don't last. You only get them for a short while. But treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven, they're eternal. Nothing can ever take them away. Nothing can ever destroy them. So money, here's the deal. Let's just be honest. As long as we are living in our culture, as long as we're living in our day and age, we will fight battles against materialism. It's a, it's a constant battle. And I want to encourage you simply not to give into the battle. Not to let it overtake you. It's a battle every time we see an advertisement. It's a battle every time we go to the store. It's a battle every time we see what somebody around us has something new and shiny. It's going to continue to be a battle. And so fight the battle. Fight the battle. Fight for great gain in God. Fight to be free from the pursuit, from the desire, for the craving for more riches. 
And he says we fight it by giving extravagantly. The last exhortion, the last command, Paul says to fight the good fight of faith. Paul says we're to guard all spiritual truth. He says, number one, to fight the good fight of faith, we flee the evil that pulls us away from God. Number two, we will pursue goodness that draws us to God. Number three, we take hold of eternal life. Number four, we give away material possessions. And here, number five, we guard all spiritual truth. Verse 20 and 21 Paul says, oh, Timothy, you hear the affection that Paul has for Timothy? He says, guard the deposit that was entrusted to you. Avoid irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For for by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. This right here is the the essence of, uh, of the fight of faith. What was a deposit that that had been entrusted to Paul? What was the deposit that had been entrusted to Paul? It was the gospel. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we fight to be faithful to the gospel. We fight to be faithful to the gospel. We see this all throughout this this letter of 1 Timothy. We see this time and time again, all the way from chapter 1 to chapter 6. It's been a constant stream. Paul has said, don't teach any different doctrine. Paul has said, hold on to the faith. Paul has said, appoint elders who teach this word. Paul has said, Timothy, train yourself in the words of the faith. Paul has said, don't, or Paul says, devote yourselves to the public reading of this word. Paul says, watch your teaching closely. Paul says, teach these things. Fight the good fight of faith. Holding on to the faith. We have to guard the gospel. Avoiding the irreverent babble and, and contradictions. Why is this so significant for us? Why is it so important for us to, to guard this deposit, to guard the gospel? There's two reasons. Two reasons. First, it's important for our sake. It's important for our sake that we guard this deposit, that we guard the gospel. We've seen it over and over again. Paul has said people have wandered from this truth. At 1 Timothy 1, he talked about Hymenaeus and Alexander. And he says they've been handed over to Satan. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul uses words like they have pierced themselves with many pangs. Paul says some have swerved from the faith. See, listen here. I urge you, don't, don't gloss this over. Don't just say this can never be me. I would never wander away from the gospel because you will be tempted every single day to put your faith in something other than the gospel. We have this battle inside of us to put our faith in ourselves and our own creativity, to put our faith in our righteousness and our religion. We battle every day. And Paul says, guard the gospel. Guard it in your life. Paul is writing this to Timothy. Timothy is the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Timothy is the guy that Paul has mentored, that Paul has trained, that Paul has taught how to be a pastor. And Paul's warning to him over and over and over again. He says, Timothy, hold on to the faith. Timothy, hold on to the faith. Timothy, hold on to the faith. This is repeated encouragement to Timothy, who's the pastor. This should be a wake-up call for every one of us. None of us are immune to the temptation to wander 
from the gospel, and myself included. So we have to, to, to guard the gospel. We have to hold on to the gospel for our own sake. But number two, we also have to hold on to the gospel for the sake of others, for the sake of everyone around us. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking here of those that are lost, those who are perishing, people who are separated from God, dying in their sin on a road that leads literally to eternal hell. Reality is there's probably people in this room who fall into this category. People who are not followers of Christ, who have not been reconciled to God through Jesus, who have not been forgiven of their sin. There are people at your workplace that fall into this category. There are people in your classroom that fall into this category. There are people that you live next to that fall into this category. People who, who live on the same road of you. People who, who, who walk in and out of your lives who are on this road to eternal hell. And know this. Know this as Christians. The enemy, our, our adversary, he's waging a war. And one of his clearest, his clearest aims, one of his, one of his first priorities is to keep us silent with the gospel. To keep us silent with the gospel. So fight. Fight against fear. Fight against nervousness. Fight against the desire for man's approval or for man's applause. Fight against the desire to seek man's acceptance. Fight against the desire to build your own reputation. Fight against pride. Fight against these things in order so we can share the gospel. So people's lives would be changed through Jesus Christ. This, this is what we're about. This is why we exist. This is the purpose, the mission of the church. This is why we come together as a church so we can be on this mission. Here at Restoration Church, we say the mission is to know Christ and to what? And to make Christ known. We go out and we share the gospel of what Jesus has done in our lives and what Jesus can do in people's lives, that he can change their lives. He can forgive them of their sins. Let's fight to do this. Let's fight to share Jesus as our Savior. Let's fight to share our Savior throughout Yakima and throughout the entire world. See, we're all in this, these battles. I don't know what your specific battle is, but we've got these battles raging inside of us. So my encouragement to you is fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold on to these things. Don't give up. Don't give in. Flee the things that, per, that, that pull you away from God. Pursue the things that draw you to Him. Take hold of the eternal life that is yours now. That God is with you. That you are not alone. That God is fighting on your side. Fight the good of fight of faith by, by giving away material possessions. Don't be consumed with those. And fight the good fight of faith by holding on to the gospel. Because this is how we're going to win. Amen? I invite you this morning to respond to God's word with me for the next 10 minutes or so. I encourage you to use this time to uh, maybe use this time to pray with God. Maybe you've got some sin that has gone on in your life and you need to take this time and just confess it before God. 
Maybe you need to wrestle and say, God, I need you now. God, here's the battle I'm going on. Take this next few minutes and just just wrestle with him and and plead for God to, to be there with you every step of the way. Plead for him to encourage you. Respond to God's word this morning. Another way to respond to God's word this morning is through worship. Is, is, is we encourage you just to, to praise him. To praise our Savior who is worthy of all of our honor and all of our glory and all of our praise. Because he is who Paul said he is. He is the only sovereign. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is worthy of all of our adoration. Because of what he's done for us and what he's done for everybody around us. Let's pray. God, we just come before you now. Lord, we thank you for meeting us here. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. Lord, I know that there are battles going on. I know there are people who are facing difficulty. And that that war is raging all around them. God, would you meet them here right now? Would you touch their heart? Would you speak to them? Would you draw them to yourself? Would you remind them that they're not alone? Would you help them to call out to you and say, God, I need you here and now. And God, I pray that you would show up exactly how we need. God, you've given us a promise that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And God, when we're going through these battles, we feel alone. God, remind us that you are with us. God, I pray for those in here today, Lord, who they have not come to know you as their Savior. They have not come to receive you for who you are and to come into a relationship with you. God, I pray that they would do that today. That they would pray this prayer and say, God, God, I know I'm far from you. God, I know I'm a sinner. So God, now I pray that that you would come into my heart, that you would be my Savior. God, I pray and, and surrender myself and say, I will follow you. God, I pray if you have not, if these, anybody in here has not prayed that prayer, that today would be the day that they would call out to you and that you would save them. God, I pray that we would have this kind of view for who you are, that you are the only sovereign, that you are the ultimate. And I pray, God, that when we see you for who you are, when we see the extravagant love that you've given to every one of us, that we are filled with nothing but praise and adoration because you are worthy. You are greater. You are everything we could ever imagine and even more. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to us during this time as we worship you, that we would respond to who you are and what you've done. Lord, we love you and praise you and we ask this in your holy and precious name. All God's people said,